I'm here with Milton Man Thing. We're going to discuss Zombie slash Zombie 2 slash whatever other titles it has. And George Romero's most controversial film, um, Land of the Dead. Uh, so we agreed to start with Zombie 2. Uh, but I believe Milton had something he wanted to do first. And he's fired. Zombie 2. It, that it might be. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I can see why, like, for 1979. Um... So, I think the only thing I would argue with you on that one is when you compare this even to Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, I love Dawn of the Dead. It's one of my favorite films of all time. But it has this very, like, the effects look fake now. I'm sure back then they looked realistic. But I think some of the effects in Zombie have held up better than the effects in Dawn. And they made two more of these. I have never seen two I have never seen zombie three or four. I I might because I'm an idiot and I'm curious, but I, I'm sure by the time four got around, because that one is not the same director. And it should be noted that even though this is a ripoff film, 
it does have the director the director going for it because it's and I'm gonna butcher the shit out of this guy's name, but Lucio Fellucci, uh, who was a famed horror director in that in that decade. Different, yeah. Yeah. Well, and if if nobody is aware, in, in Italy, the original Dawn of the Dead is just called Zombie there. So when this movie got released, it was released as Zombie 2, made people think it's a sequel. Which my favorite part of that is they didn't even, like, bother to try to make it match up because it's a completely different like backstory for the zombies, but I appreciated the voodoo aspect because we don't do that anymore. For sure. For sure. And it also knows what zombie fans are there for. Um... We'll get into it a little bit later, but the biggest issue with this film is Romero... It, to quote Red Letter Media, it felt like Romero became self-aware of the political like commentary in his films, so he just made a political commentary movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and like I said, I'll save most of this for when we get to this. Um, but what I like about this movie is it knows that it's not got a Romero-level writer, so it's just like a fun escapism movie. And it's backed up by, I don't know who did the effects on this, uh, but he is almost Tom Savini-level, at least in this film. Oh, for God's sakes. Is it my end? Uh, it's, okay. 
All right, say something, and then Noah, let us know if you can hear him. Hello, hello, Noah, can you hear me? Plagued by technical issues tonight. Yeah. I think it was on my end, though. Oh. Yeah, so... I think I'm connected to my, to my microphone, so... I'm 99% sure it was on my end, so... No, let us know if you can hear uh, hear Milton here. Okay, okay, yeah, he says uh, apparently we can. Okay, okay, cool, awesome. Well, nobody heard your song, but that's fine. Nah, that's... It, it was just a it was just a dumb <laughs> goof, so it's it's fine. Um, Maybe we'll hear. So I I don't know about you, but with this movie, so I'd seen this movie a few times when I was a teenager, but it, this was almost like a blind viewing for me. But I fell in love the moment the shark fought the zombie because that was fucking amazing. <laughs> that was that was a cool idea, and they it's surprisingly well filmed considering it's Budget. it's an underwater fight scene in the late seventies. Sure, yeah. The the picture comes out clear. Um, it's it works despite the fact that it's on paper. I don't really think this should have worked at all, but it does. And the the effects are really good. It's you know it's a zombie fighting a shark, and it it works. I don't think it it doesn't really lead to anything exactly, but it's fun to watch regardless. Yeah, no, it it kind of reminded me of, and this is going to be a weird comparison, but it kind of reminded me of the Weapon X scene in X Men Apocalypse, because like mm-hmm. the plot just stops, so we can have this cool scene, and then we get back to the plot. That's yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's, it's eye right candy here. and we all we all love Wolverine so much, so devoting some time to that. You know? Yeah, plus like how many movies are you gonna see a shark fight a zombie? Like I think maybe an anime, but I that would be a stretch, I think. Um But not too many people have done it. A, a lot of people just zombies on land. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing, you know. Unless you, unless they dive into a lake or something and try to cross somewhere, I don't know. That's that's commentary for later. Yeah, but um, yeah, I and I've always loved this movie's cover, at least the original. I'm sure it's had like mul- a million different covers. I've um, seen so many images. Like some, it's like just black and white. Some it's in color. Some of it's in like a red tint. It just, yeah. yeah. But the one I'm most familiar with, I don't remember the colors, but it's just that one zombie's head, and it's got, like, the rotting maggots in one eye. Mm-hmm. And then it has the best tagline, where it's like, we are coming to eat you, or something like that. I do wonder how much of this commentary we have to repeat, now that uh, there was some, apparently some dead <laughs> space with my, with my audio for a second. Um, uh, it's fine. I guess, I guess with summaries, uh, zombie origins with uh, voodoo. Interesting actually works, considering the origin of the term zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, For anyone curious, thing. while he's thinking, here is the poster yeah. that I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, hold it there for a little bit. Yeah. Of course, the the, the shot's in reverse, like, through, uh, you know, yeah. YouTube, but you, but you'll, you guys, if you, if you ever want to look it up, you'll probably still, you know, I love that still be able to look it up. It's so stupid. We are going to eat you. <laughs> I mean, it's basic, um, but I think it works. You don't really have to do a whole lot. 
it was still a relatively new thing back then. So, yeah. The other major thing at Nails, I think, is the ending. Because hmm. I think the best zombie stories have kind of a hopeless feeling to them. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And them, because if you remember, they survived the island and they're they're going back to the mainland. But then you remember that they left a zombie there, and now it's spread to the mainland and like everywhere. Yeah. It's it's classic tragedy structure, you know, tragedy versus comedy. Like in a Shakespearean sense, you have it to where with tragedy, the best way to start is you start from a good point. And then you work your way down. Whereas, like, comedy in the Shakespearean system, like, like start with tragedy and then you work your way up. Um, and lots of things. So there's there's a good understanding of that progression. Um, you get implication that something bad has happened, but of course, you also get it, you know, you know, like, kind of like hammer on a nail situation where we can clearly see that something is up. Because this movie is also intended to be a sequel to a film that's already established. Terrible stuff is going to happen. There are zombies. So, yeah. Now, I couldn't tell, or sometimes I could, but did you notice any kind of, like, bad dubbing in this movie? Because it looked like a lot of the actors were dubbed. Uh, look, John, it's an Italian movie. With well, the only reason that I say that is some of it, some yeah. of them looked like they were speaking English natively. Like, no, it didn't it, look, and then others, it was just completely not matched. That's Italian film, especially during this time. It's, and I noticed, I was weirded out by it as well, because I could tell that, okay, some are not as but some are. It's it's entirely because the fact is they tried their best to try to mix cast between, like, different nations for in this film. Oh. And it's always, and it's been a tradition, like even in the spaghetti westerns, for to be treated the same way. You're not going to get consistent dubbing because that's just not how it worked back then. So maybe occasionally you get some better stuff here and there, but it's you had both Italian speakers and English speakers and whatnot, just all work trying to work together in the same film. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they never even understood each other on set. There's that too. So, I feel like okay. I'm not too familiar with the Italian movie making in, uh, background, so I'm glad that you are. It's messy, somewhat. but it's messy, but uh, beautiful. I would say, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, of course, there are there are better experts on this sort of thing. I I know this much because I studied spaghetti western films and watched quite a few of those. Um, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, for for example. Django is a classic franchise. You may have heard of Django Unchained. That's basically Quentin Tarantino saying this is the however much um, Django ripoff film because it's a statement on essentially Italian cinema because Django was, the original film was ripped off, I think, shoot, at least 12 times throughout the years, even to current day. And Quentin Tarantino had also just started another Django ripoff film like before then. It's it's a it's an interesting situation. I guess. Y'all should do your research about that. It's very fascinating. I'd highly recommend it. Okay, so yeah. other than the shark zombie fight, any other highlights from this movie that kind of stick with you? Uh, I mean, we can praise the other effects as well. Um, 
I imagine this film gets video nasty specifically because of the ice scene. Especially if you remember, you probably know what I'm talking about, you know, with that thing. It's it's very, it's gratuitous, but that's kind of the point. Yeah. So, I mean, the film is trying to go for, you know, an effect with, you know, like, gouging and whatnot. It's horrifying to watch, but it's done very well. And it's artistry at work right there. Um, I think... I think this was also a staple of, like, just horror in general during this time, especially with other grindhouse pictures and whatnot, but the whole... I think the nudity is... You could have done without it. You could have still had a good movie. But the issue is, of course, that they're doing this because they understand they want to get butts in seats, so... I'll just just wait till I show you Friday the Thirteenth Part Five if you haven't seen that yet. I I can imagine that one is directed by a porn director and it shows. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh! But you think of the idea of exploitation film, which had, which is just a general term in of itself for like anything. This is that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This is an exploitation film, but more of a like tropical exploitation. To a certain degree, but it's also trying to be like Afro exploitation as well. So it, it's an interesting mix of what they've done here, um, you know, and how they've cast people. I, I actually like some of the sets for a low budget film. I think it works. Um, they did a lot of on location stuff for a lot of their things. Yeah. Um, one thing I one thing I will criticize, of course, because obviously this is how it happened. Uh, the the end scenes were shot much later because of how they wanted to market the film. You know, with things kind of just being in New York, they shot those way later. It's part of like a essentially kind of part of a very different film, but it still works, I think. But it is rough. Um, Especially with how we've discussed how things end. I imagine they especially tacked on the last scene because, oh, this is the precedent that's being set with zombie films. We gotta end it in like complete, you know, pandemic mode. So. For sure. And if anybody's curious, I did a little a rough um, conversion. I couldn't think of the word there. Uh, this movie was made, and this may be cr- totally incorrect. I used to Google because uh, it's an. It, this obviously the box office was recorded in Italian currency. Um, this was made for roughly two hundred fifty-six thousand, uh, and ended up making over almost two million. Yeah, you no, know, like the profit margins for movies like these are insane. Mm-hmm. It, it's insane how much they were able to make from these movies, but they it worked. They they were really tapping into a market that was still very fresh and young. Yeah, so. and I mean that market goes all the way through the eighties. Uh, obviously, a different discussion, but you yeah. get you know Friday th- that first Friday the Thirteenth movie. That's just an exploitation film. It's ripping yeah. off Halloween. <laughs> um, let's see. The other thing I really liked was I liked the soundtrack. It's it's trying to emanate. Kind of like a Dawn of the Dead sound with its kind of techno 
industrial sound. Not really industrial, but uh, like a very synth-heavy soundtrack, if you remember, uh, yeah. which Dawn of the Dead also had. But this one's much more ominous sounding. Because Dawn of the Dead is, despite all of like the gore and people being ripped apart, at the end of the day, Dawn of the Dead is a very light-hearted, fun movie, which this is not. Probably shouldn't be fidgeting with my camera mid-production, but, uh, you know. You know, with all the technical issues we've had, it's fine. That's, like, the least of our problems today. <laughs> um, you mentioned it, but my standout scene, and the only one I remembered when I went in to see this movie again for, for this episode, was the eye scene. I love the way that they film it, like, almost like it's happening to you. Uh, yeah, there's a lot you can praise about the cinematography of this film. You also get, like, obvious imagery of, like, the church as the last refuge before you have to completely, you know, exit you know, mm-hmm. the world, or so to speak. Um, the writing isn't, it's not great. Granted, you're not exactly looking for Oscar-winning performances with the script anyway with a lot of these films. The strengths are elsewhere. At well, the same time, at the same time, um, I think I'll praise this one. I think Overland of the Dead, but that's another. That's another thing that we'll get into. Well, in something like this, it's trickier because a you've got some half of them are dubbed, yeah, so you can't really tell if they're good actors or if the the dubbing is a good actor. Um, I guess the course... way you could praise it for it being as comprehensible as it is, I guess. Oh, for sure. Be, be, because, because with that in mind, so uh, yeah. Uh, and I also wonder, like, how much of the script was left, like, on the cutting room floor. We're doing some dynamic camera work here. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, not a very deep movie. It's just there for an hour and a half of fun and special effects. But it, it does try to do some stuff that you know other movies. Some of them were doing it a bit, but developing on them a little bit. It tries to be a continuation. I guess in an innocent sort of, hey, this kid decided he's going to, like, copy off the work of a guy's work that he really likes. And it was back when things were a bit more innocent and not as, you know, corporate scummy yeah. sort of thing. So, well, and however, I... However you want to look at it. I don't remember for sure. You'd have to double. You'd have to fact check me on this. Mm-hmm. But if I remember correctly, because Dario Argento uh, did the Italian cut of or the European cut of Dawn of the Dead, so I am assuming whatever distribution agency he did probably had the rights to that movie. So they probably just hired Lucio to do it. Because, like I said, if I remember right, he was an up and coming name in the horror genre in Italy for multiple yes. films. Yes, yeah, so um, it was adapted from an original screenplay by Dardano Sacchetti, or I think, or Sacchetti, or I can't Italian names. I I get confused. Um, Dawn of the Dead was hmm, it's distributed by United Film Distribution, obviously in the U.S., but it was also distributed by a Titanus in Italy. Um, production company for this one for Zombie Two was Variety Film. Uh, 
What is its distributor? These 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 details get muddled, um, just because of how wild westy like distribution was back then, and for just production in general, um, like a like a lot of Italian movies back then, the time home releases were popular, especially because they were getting cut out of the theaters. So um, it had a strong uh, video, VHS presence. In the eighties, um, I can't. And it's movies like this that uh, really make me appreciate a service like Shutter that keeps the older titles available. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, people might forget about this film if it wasn't for things like Shutter. Yeah. So, praise right. to that streaming service, which probably deserves more attention than it's getting. It absolutely does. If you're, if we're not even, we're not even sponsored not... by Shutter. No, but I will 100% tell you, if you do not have Shudder and you are interested in horror, especially older horror and foreign horror movies, get Shudder. It's like five bucks a month. Yeah, and especially if you want to support them, because otherwise, sure, maybe you're looking at these films in a, a different way, by which I mean quite literally a different way through the internet, but uh, it'd be good to get some support for this industry. Yeah, because I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I watched this movie a few times as a teenager, but I kind of forgot about it until you brought it up when we were brainstorming a companion to, uh, to Land of the Dead, which is the main reason why we're doing this show today. Uh, it, it's interesting. It's like something that is related to George Romero, like towards the beginning, and now it's kind of about looking back. It's kind of the theme of the show in some ways. Yeah. Um, which is especially it's another topic we're going to get into with Wind of the Dead. So, all right. So just to wrap up with Zombie, because again, not a very deep movie, not a lot to talk about. Right. Uh, starting with with you, Milton, would you watch this movie again and recommend it to others? So, a thing that was running through my head with this is not not to give so much credit but not to give too little i'm going to say in some ways that this film is like the citizen kane of zombie movies it does some very important stuff i think for the genre at least at the time it's well shot it does a lot of deep good things at the same time it's like how much of this sort of thing is going to appeal to people who are just looking to watch a movie. This thing is, I think, important for educational purposes for understanding the genre. Not so much for getting into it nowadays, considering we have things that better represent what the genre can do in comparison. So if you're a person who says, oh, it's a Citizen King of Zombie Films, I gotta watch it. This is for you. You do that. But for the other types who are equally as valid to, you know, give their opinions on movies, if that turns you off, that I understand as well. So rating out of five, maybe a three, three point seven five like two point seven five or somewhere around that. It's no, I'll be I'll be a bit more kind. I'll just say a three. It's a little bit, it's above average. It's not a 
particular master considering where it was, but it does certain things very well. I don't feel like I personally would watch it again because now I've done it and now I can move on and I can watch things that like other, other George Romero movies that I think do it a bit better. He's like, thank so, God I don't have to watch this again. <laughs> it's not so much that. It, it was interesting to watch and I'm glad that I did. At the same time, probably wouldn't do it again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it the Citizen Kane of zombie movies, although I see what you're saying. Um, I would recommend this if you are a fan of the zombie genre. Uh, if you are not a fan of the zombie genre, and if you want to exper- like explore that genre, uh, 1978's Dawn of the Dead, that is my pick for Citizen Kane of zombie movies. Um, start there. If that interests you, check this movie out it's a you know it's just a fun time it's not anything deep and like we said it's available on shutter for five bucks you'll you'll see corpses rising out of the ground and got some great effects there uh, they they did dedicate quite a bit of their time to it make a bit of effects in this film no the see they just went out and got real corpses and strung <laughs> them up on strings um, but no, I filmmaking back then, right? So, yeah, I would say I'd recommend this with the caveat of you have to either be interested in the genre already, or just want to see what Italian horror film ripoff. I don't want to use ripoff because that is kind of a mean word. Like has a kind of a mean and uh, connotation. Yeah, thank you to it, but that's kind of what it is <laughs> like. Well, use ripoff in a in the kindest sense that we can. Yeah. Uh, and I would give it. I'm going to give it a three point five. Uh, this mm-hmm. is very much my type of movie. I miss zombie flicks like this. Uh, zombies are one of my favorite just creatures in in film, and I don't feel like we've had a good serious zombie movie in quite a long time. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Now, we have to move on to this one, which I think we're going to have very different opinions on. That a very contentious film. I... Why don't you give your preamble first before I get okay. into this? So. so, for anyone who's not aware, this is the first zombie film from Romero since the 80s. Uh, in the 90s, we had the Night of the Living Dead remake, which we're going to cover next week. Um, but Romero... Okay. This might be hyperbole a little bit, but Romero is one of the most screwed over, like, classic horror directors. Because if you look at all the projects he was almost attached to, it just breaks your heart. But in 2005, he came out with this. For anyone who can't see that because it's on a webcam, this is George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. This is the most polarizing movie he has made, to my knowledge, at least with zombies. Uh, Everybody agrees the first three are instant classics, like, they are almost perfect films. And everyone agrees the two after this are absolute dog shit. Okay, I don't agree entirely, but that's... I'd have to rewatch them to have a full opinion. Um, The main thing that people complain about with this movie is it's very on the nose. (laughs) It it takes this message and just beats you in the head. (laughs) Whether that bothers you or not, mileage will vary. Um, I've seen this movie more times than I can count. I have to remember to like line it up with the camera. And I am holding the Scream Factory re-release. 
So I did something I don't usually do. Because usually I don't have the physical copy. But I watched this twice. Once unrated, because that's the only... That's the only version with the direct with the director's commentary, which pisses me off. Hmm. And I watched the theatrical cut, which I have not watched in over a decade. Um, I think the un- unrated cut is the way to go with this. But yeah, I love this movie. I <laughs> unabashedly love this movie. All right, so let's hear it. <laughs> So you you were right, <laughs> you you were right. So um, oh gosh, where do I begin on this movie? Um, like I, I'm not I'm not going to try to, I'm not out here to destroy this movie. I want to be very clear before I get into how I feel about it because I'm very like the film. I am polarized. I'm very polarized on a lot of the things that this movie is trying to do. Um, George Romero, as you said, he's making a zombie film after leaving it alone for almost two decades. He wants to make a different movie. That makes sense. I support that. I support an attempt to, to express, you know, an industry essentially you pioneered to try to examine this whole thing from a different angle, deconstruct it, build it up again in a a new and interesting way. That's a good idea. I think, unfortunately, that he's trying to tackle way too much at once. I think that there's social commentary. That's fine. That's how a lot of movies are. It's just when you... When you're building up a new world again, because this is essentially a new world with zombies now, where you have these ideas of, oh, we're going to tackle um, socioeconomic issues, like or like straight-up economic issues, racial issues. We get into so many different topics and so many different things that go into the world-building of this movie. And unfortunately, by the time that we're all eager to ask so many questions about how things work in this world, it is then completely destroyed, and then we're starting over again by the end. It gets, and it it annoys the heck out of me, because you get you get a lot of interesting ideas like, oh, okay, you're, intru- you're introducing the ideas of, like, the Mexican zombies. Cool. I want more. Give me more. And then it just completely moves on, I think, when we should. This is important. If, so, if these societies are hinging on these aspects, we need to kind of explore these a bit more before we move on to something else. And this film has that problem of, I want to be very deep. Unfortunately, the, the concepts seem shallow because I don't think the movie is taking them as seriously as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we still... We want to be a deep movie, but we also want to be dumb action schlock at the same time. Nothing wrong with dumb action schlock. Just this is the point where I would say, "Hey, John, go ahead, start disagreeing with me, and start, you know, back and forth." I so, think it's tr- it's trying to be so much at once, and I think that's to the movie's detriment, unfortunately. So I don't have a good argument, at least for the domestication thing, but I do have. Let me. Have you seen Day of the Dead? I have. I, I'm catching up on 
okay. a lot of stuff. That I've seen like clips. I'm familiar enough with these movies because of cultural osmosis. So this is one of those things, at least with the zombie stuff, I think it's where he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Because um, obviously Romero envisioned all of his movies to be individual pieces, not connected. If people sure. want them to be connected, you know, he's like, whatever, I don't care. But of he course, goes into them thinking not connected. Society is not going to respect that rule and they are going to try to <laughs> canonize. Even if it makes no world. sense. But um, I have always thought that the... Uh, the zombie stuff. Oh yeah, Noah says Dennis Hopper wasn't very memorable in this, to my surprise. Oh, see, I disagree. I mm, mm, it, mm. that scene where he shoots that guy and then gets the call from Riley that they got Dead Reckoning back, and he's just like, "Huh, I just did something I wouldn't have done if I'd gotten this call like two seconds earlier." It's great. I. I wouldn't normally disagree. The issue is <laughs> that Dennis is freaking Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, despite the fact that he's on screen quite a few times, I think he's underutilized. And I, this is where we kind of need to really punch up the acting and make him seem, it seems just a lot more melodramatic and whatnot. Also, make him like Palpatine. He can do that. But he plays it. He plays the character a bit too mellow. Of course, that's the direction that you know the director is giving him. So mm-hmm. I can't really blame him too much. But um, but the the stuff with the zombies, especially that gas station zombie, who is my second favorite zombie in film. Like I just love that performance. Sure, <clears throat> I think of yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it says he's not terrible, but his character doesn't really have a presence. I think that I can't quite agree with but at the same time i can understand because he does have presence because a lot of the film's pacing doesn't work without it at the yeah. same time it's not a very commanding presence and he's somehow. he's also kind of like uh he's obviously a, a antagonist but when you rank the antagonists of this film i think he's probably the bottom rung of antagonists um for the human characters of course the top one would be the zombies uh, for Riley, obviously the top one is Cholo. Some of these names that he gives characters in this movie, man. Yeah, it's it's on the nose of racial <laughs> commentary. Um, you know what? If I might propose something, let's start from the beginning to a certain degree with the film. Um, okay. And let's start with the zombies because the zombies different in this movie. It's a very important difference. Um. Romero wanting to make these films their own pieces works a bit better in defense of this film because mm-hmm. the rules of zombies are very different now. Mm-hmm. It's not, to many who outside looking in, it may not seem that different, but in context of a lot of, a lot of other zombie films, this is the idea that they can mimic human behavior and start acting like humans again has so many different implications. And, and that's what I was referencing. Sorry to interrupt. No, but that is actually not new to this franchise. I know. Uh, they've, uh, they've, they've spoken before and whatnot. But Well, yeah. I mean, uh, with, with Day of... I always saw that as him continuing an idea from Day of the Dead. Because the biggest subplot in Day of the Dead is one of the scientists there domesticates a zombie. Sure. Yeah. And if, if you want to say these movies are running in real time, 
This is what, like 20 years after Day of the Dead. You could say it's the zombies have finally gotten to that point that this scientist accelerated Bub to. I can see that. <laughs> of course, we also get into the concept of Romero having his cake and eating it too. If he wants, exactly, these, if he truly does want these to be separate <laughs> things. Then we have to look at them in isolation. But at the same time, if we're defending it like that, which is actually a reasonable argument to make, well, at also the same, it's like it's we, a zombie shooting we need machine to, gun. Yeah, we need to establish consistent rule sets. For this sort of thing, and not all the rules are completely consistent. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't support this idea, but going back to the idea of we're going to keep moving forward on ideas without exploring them deep enough, the implication that these zombies are like, where is their intelligence coming from? Is it coming from their past lives? Is it coming from something else like the virus itself has a consciousness? And are they all individual consciousnesses? The consciousnesses? I think that's what they're going for. Mm-hmm. So if they're individuals and if they're living, it then does bring up some moral questions about even killing the zombies in the first place. Which this film does explore in the cinematography of how the zombies are acting in context with a lot of the scenes. We are meant to try to empathize with the zombies because of the unequal distribution of power. And then the zombies are slowly closing that gap as the, as the movie goes on to the point where they have ultimately, it has ultimately become the land of the dead. Mm -hmm. Well, even, even at the end when Riley's like, he decides not to shoot all those zombies because they're just looking for a place to go. Which is a bit random at the time. I, I don't think it makes sense for that character to do that sort of thing, especially since he has not seen what the audience has seen fully. Well, but this at the is, same time, gonna... he did see at the beginning that the zombies were becoming more and more human. So, yeah, well, I mean, his whole thing, like you said at the beginning, is even you know uh, they're getting smarter and danger more dangerous. But I also think there are times where Riley's just read the script because he knows what's going to happen or he knows what's going on. Um, Riley's character is so <laughs> weird in this movie. He does not act consistently at all, but, but he moves along with the pace of the film. Also, it's see, I I disagree there because his main goal is just to get out of that city, and that never changes. No, no, it's not necessarily that. It's just the individual scenes sometimes don't make a whole lot of sense to me in in context of what you have just mentioned. Because you're right, that is his main goal. But at the same time, he, we then establish at the point after the first scene where Riley, you know, establishes, yeah, this is my last day. I'm getting out. Like the next important scene that he's in, he's freeing a woman from being killed by zombies. Okay, cool. It's showing that he's a hero. Jail scene. The woman that he immediate that he is free, he immediately starts ragging on the fact of, no, I don't want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. And the and the acting is like okay, he kind of flipped on a dime there because are you? I'm trying to I'm trying to understand his motives for why he saves people. If it's not because he you know feels things for people, it, does he do it just for the principle in of itself? But then at the same time, his principles are not entirely consistent either, as the film then says, with how he he breaks a deal for whatever reason 
it it's we it's weird because the individual is like he's he's shifting personality every so often and i'm That's... not sure exactly what his end goal is in the scene but then as you say he's reading the script He's pretty much invincible, unfortunately. Makes Cholo Cholo look a lot more interesting of a character, in my opinion. Cholo is interesting. Um, But I think with Riley, at least with helping her, because we also set up that he rescued Charlie, who I I love Charlie in this movie. Like, he's not a deep character, but I just love that performance. Uh, Um, Yeah. I actually actually find Charlie even more interesting than Cholo to a certain degree. mm Mm-hmm. Well, I want. I would love to see that backstory, um, but I think they are consistent in saying that he will help the helpless, but not that he wants to befriend the helpless. He kind of gets stuck with Charlie, and Charlie proves himself useful. But the girl was was helpless, but he's already got one sidekick. He doesn't want another. Now, some of that is me like filling in blanks. I'm I'm guessing. Um. But I, I kind of understood that because he's very like just tired of people. Yeah. Speaking of names, her name is Slack apparently. Well, and what's I completely just... forgot that about that in the film, but that's her name apparently. You know, I've seen that. I've been watching that this movie since I was since it came out, and I was like, I was a teenager, never knew what her name was. But Romero was terrible at naming people. Uh, like Dawn of the Dead is probably my third favorite film of all time. Could not tell you what any of the characters in that are named except Flyboy. Because that's a nickname. Right. <laughs> um, but that actress is actually the daughter of Dar- Dario Argento, who helped produce the Italian cut of... Yep, her name is uh, Asia Argento. This is one of two movies that I've seen her in. She was also in the first Triple X film. Yep. I hate that title because it sounds really bad, but it's yeah, just it a does, dumb action but... movie. It's... It's a whole, it's a cultural thing of how that thing shifted to mean something different, or yeah. it meant that in the first place, but the people didn't care or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, on Asia Argento's performance, I don't like this character at all, and I think her in context of the film, I don't know if she's supposed to be likable. But then I'm not completely sure, especially with how of how she treats uh, Charlie in the movie because we are immediately put into a position where we really empathize with Charlie and we really like him. Mm-hmm. And especially in the, in the Charlie shoots at the zombie, you know, past her and saves her life and how she repays and like really doesn't make me empathize with this character at all. See. Yeah. I don't know. That's a weird scene. Cause I get what they're going for. Because obviously with the first one, Charlie is like an expert marksman. And, and then he tries to answer in kind, and then she she hurts Charlie. Yeah, and it's played for comedy, which is weird, but it's that thing where she's just trying to return the favor because she sees the zombie I think and showing off. Pro- oh, sorry, go ahead. And showing off, but she also has like an automatic rifle compared to his single rifle, and she's not as good of a marksman, so she accidentally hurts him. And, and that... The science of that makes sense. I can see how the film plays out. At the same time, it's like, if you want us to empathize with this character, don't have to be where this character now wants to react in a way to prove herself. Mm-hmm. And just to make a point. And also hurt 
one of the characters that you want the audience to like in this movie and you and you succeed if you want to make us like both of them you can't have a scene like that <laughs> i think it works i think it works against her character unfortunately and yeah, also to try to establish her as a romantic interest for riley question mark because of how they look at each other and how they interact with each other to a certain degree it's it's not like explicit but i think it's implied that later on they're going to get closer or something. It's... Well, and that's always kind of been a, a fault in Romero's writing, the romantic part. Because, uh, yeah. like, in Dawn of the Dead, two of the characters are supposed to be, like, together. And it never shows in that movie. Like, you cannot tell unless you know. <laughs> not that I necessarily need romance to be, like, a huge focus of it. But if you're going to have it, mm-hmm. like, like with all the other points... Let's let's chew the scene. Let's explore these concepts before we move on. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, I love I love the gas station zombie, also known as Big Daddy, because of the gas station that he worked at. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry, Noah's okay. So John Leguizamo actually isn't that bad in this. Sure, I, I like him that. a lot in this movie. Yeah. yeah, he he does a he does pretty good. I. I don't get him sometimes, but not in a way that frustrates me. I, I need to think more on his character. Um, but yeah, he says, I like Charlie too. And yeah, Charlie's an easy character to like. Um, you know, for a guy who looks half a zombie himself. <laughs> so I think I think that works. I think that was pretty well calculated. Um, actually, I, let's get into Cholo, I guess. Let's talk about that character. I think a He's lot of what makes Cholo interesting, or at least half of it, is they parallel him hard with Riley because obviously they are the two conflicting characters. And I think that's an interesting parallel of Riley's content with who he is. He just doesn't want to be there anymore. Cholo wants to be better. He wants to be the elite. I mean, how I would contrast the characters is that, like you said, Riley has read the script, and Cholo definitely has not. <laughs> In fact, Cholo, for the most part, is very clueless throughout the movie. And despite that, he actually has a very commanding presence throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. It's weird seeing those concepts very contrary throughout the film, and it still works. Yeah. It, it, he actually seems intimidating, despite the fact that like every force in the universe is trying to confuse him, and almost does so successfully. Well, and what I like is at the beginning they show he's very much in denial. Yeah. He's convinced if he just does enough runs, takes out enough garbage, which that isn't something I'd like to like to them to expand on because you'd only get a throwaway line about what the what he's been like throwing out in the garbage. And then Kaufman is just like, "Look, you are never going to get up here." Yeah, it's it's weird because in. In the structure of a lot of films, um, normally if you wanted to represent the the moral goodness of a character, especially a protagonist, naivete is like one of those vessels that you use to, you know, mm-hmm. okay, this character is principled. This character has not yet been, I guess, matured by the corruption of the world. That 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 kind of thing. And Cholo is very naive, 
but the thing is reversed because his principles are warped. And that's, I think that's very interesting, especially in comparison to Riley's character. Yeah, who's, Riley's very world-weary and tired. Yeah, he's not very principled at all, but he used, and to a certain extent, the chaos is used well to show that he's adapting to an ever-changing situation. So, Absolutely. Doesn't, I don't think it does well for Riley's character necessarily, but works better in the context of the film as a whole. The, the best thing I will give Cholo is I've been quoting him for going on 15 years now. Uh, when when he tells Riley they're going out to get the alcohol, and he's like, we're going to go get some supplies, some essential supplies. I've been saying that for like 50, ever since that movie came out, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, oh, and then... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, no, you go ahead before I... Uh, I just wanted to comment that uh, Nick Otero did the effects on this film. Hmm. He is... In the rankings of effects, guys... I would always put him at number two. Obviously, Savini is the man, you know, the legend. But Nicotero has done some fantastic work, and he does really good here. Yeah, he does. But you can also tell that this is where George Romero discovered CGI. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time, I don't mind it so much. This was the 2000s. This is where that really started to take off. There's only Wait. one scene that bothers me, and it is the preacher. The zombie that's head is like dangling. Oh yeah, that that thing. I thought I wasn't bothered by it too much. I thought it was, oh, an interesting idea, like a, a spring. Then I looked at it a little more closely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate the effort though. Well, and they talked about on the commentary, they tried every way they could practically, and it just wouldn't work. So they just CGI'd it, which I can respect. And I love that idea of, like, the zombie just, like, the head dangling by, like, a thread. But, oh, my God, when it closes in on its face, it looks like a PS2 cartoon, like, character. (laughs) It's it's interesting, because, like, you establish that sort of thing, you immediately begin to think, huh, how do zombie bodies work exactly? Like, how does, like, how strong are certain portions of a zombie's flesh and everything? It gets, it gets into weird details where if you look at it close enough, it's like, oh, this isn't consistent at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's interest, it's interesting, but it's like, we need more consistent rules if we're going to take the threat seriously or not. I'm not sure. Um... But I'll say one more thing for Cholo. Spear guns have never looked cooler, honestly. Yeah. And they use that well. I love how he uses his weapon. You think, of course, a gun is more effective, but it still works. I love the idea. I love it, too, because it's kind of that predecessor to the Walking Dead thing, uh, where they realize that guns may not be the most effective thing in the zombie apocalypse. Um... Because I don't know if you've ever read or seen any of The Walking Dead, but a lot of them I use know. swords, bows, things like that. <laughs> um, I mean, especially if you want to retreat ammo. Spear yeah. guns, it's better. Of course, at the same time, if you're on the run, then a gun is obviously going to be a better choice. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, you're on a run. And you can hold more ammo. But... I also felt legitimately bad for him when he gets bitten. Hey... 
the weird thing is I don't I don't feel bad. I think this is just another way for his character to be expressed. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think Cholo himself is that bothered by it. And I think that works for his character. Yeah, and, and I kind of loved that about... Cause, yeah, because going along with character ideas like Riley start at the end starts to become a bit more stable. And Cholo's like, okay, I'm just going to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that works. And the fact that he's willing to just turn into a zombie is like, oh, okay, you're going to turn into it anyway. Hmm. The coward's way out is um, another like device of this film that's constantly being used to express character. Um, well, I mean, that's one of the first shots of that movie is that kid gets bitten and yeah, blows and then Joel kills him. No, remember he he takes you're the right. gun off Riley and shoots himself. You're, you're right. Never mind. I forget what I said. Um, but yeah, I love the fact that he decides just to turn. And then I think this goes back to... And this is where I'm giving Romero a little bit of a lean way because I don't think the movies have to be connected to be thematic or like ideas similar, like borrowing ideas from each other. But as far back as Dawn of the Dead, Romero plays with the idea that the human instinct, the human memories are still in there. Um, cause the first thing he does as a zombie is go back to Kaufman. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird though. I feel like, I feel like in some ways why I can appreciate the deconstruction of an idea, making zombies empathetic, I don't think serves a zombie film very well. What I would have done, and I imagine the zombie film has probably done this already, use the fact that they're using human memories as a way to make the zombie seem even more evil when they use that to take advantage of humans okay. or something like that. I cannot think of anything off the top of my head. However, uh, it's going to be a few weeks cause we've got, we've already got next week planned and then March we're going to do Carpenter films. But when I get, when we get to it, I'm going to make you watch day of the dead because that is zombie empathy done right. And Bub is my favorite zombie ever, so if you say anything bad about him, you're fired. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my evaluation. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. uh, Day of the Dead is also Savini's masterpiece. Uh, mm-hmm. There there are some effects in there that he's done that I still haven't seen replicated. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I also love that shot uh, when they finally get to the city and they go in the water and then they uh, rise up. Um, out of the water one by one, and then of course you get the best cameo, uh, ever. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the big cameo in this film? Um, there were a few actually. I I just can't remember what their names were. I'm actually looking up the cast right now. So before you reveal to me, I'm just gonna look up the cast real quick, okay. just to see if I can catch their names. Okay. Um, like the. IMDb. Noah's like we love Bub here. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right, Noah. Um, Eugene Clark as Big Daddy, I think, is something that we can praise because He's he does it really well. Shoot, who uh, who played the pimp? Like the pimp character, Chihuahua. Is that is that that's his, the character's, that the character's name? name? I think well, so. What's the actor's name? Because I I don't remember, but I've seen him in a bunch of like random roles. All right, so that's yeah. So that's this frustrates me actually because I 
I've seen that actor. They, I think, horribly underutilized that character. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes into my idea, my gripe oh. of you're moving across these points a little too fast here. Well, he is actually my biggest gripe of that whole, this whole movie uh, yeah. in both cuts because Riley goes there to find out what happened to his car. And unless I've missed something every single time I've watched this, we just drop that plot point. No, we, yeah, completely dropped. <laughs> I we still don't know what happened deck. to the car. <laughs> we don't even know why it was stolen. And also, who would need to steal a car anyway? If I had to guess, and this should be in the movie and it drives me nuts, it was probably Kaufman because it is established that Riley's his best soldier. Yeah, but. But that needs same... to be in the film. Yeah, I just. Mm, it's frustrating as soon as of how quickly they move through these things. I don't. Oh, yeah. Phil Fondacaro. He also does have one of my favorite lines after he gets shot. He's like trying to pull out his gun and he's all mad. He's like, he ruined my fucking suit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in case any of you don't know who uh, Phil Fondacaro is, um, if you've ever watched Willow. He's in that. You'll see him pretty easily. He's an Ewok in Star Wars Episode Six. He's in the Black Cauldron. And also the Garbage Pail Kids. But we don't need to talk about that one. But but he's been... You've seen him in a lot of stuff. Especially in the 2000s. Absolutely. In the, uh, in the 90s. Um, so there's that. I would have liked him to be in it more. Because I think his character could have been... He doesn't need to be reduced to that sort of stature in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this actor gets shafted a lot, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. Um, but the cameo I'm referring to is actually in that same scene. Uh, two of the zombies that are chained up to the wall are Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, George Romero was a huge fan of Shaun of the Dead. Which is my favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. Anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Before, <laughs> here's the thing: I'm never going to like say that that Shaun of the Dead is a bad movie. In fact, it's a great movie. No, we can't talk about this. We need to move on. Shaun of the Dead is its own separate episode because that movie is wonderful. But uh, mm. that that also is a movie that was like made for me. Uh, that's yeah, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I love I love the gas station zombie. Uh, I love Cholo. I love how he ends. I love gas that station, whole. Yeah, gas station zombie is apparently called Big Daddy. Yeah, he's never referred to it that way, obviously, but it's a, it's in the correct. So. It's it's the gas station he worked for. Yeah. Um. I love I love the the gore in this. The what? Because uh, most of the times when they do enhance gore by CGI, you can't tell. Um, I don't remember if this was in the theatrical cut, but there is this, the, the scene where they go into the warehouse and like, it recreates the, uh, shot from Dawn of the Dead where it's just zombies eating a bunch of people. There's a scene where you see a zombie, like, has his hand down this corpse's throat and like pulls out like pieces. It's great. I think, I think that's a version I saw. I can't remember where I saw the theatrical version of the director's cut. I'm not sure. So... Where did you watch this? Uh, it was uh, on an online streaming thing. I can't remember exactly where I found okay. it. Um, so the it best... wasn't on Shutter, unfortunately. It was not yeah, on Shutter. I, I should have told you it's on NBC Peacock. Yeah. Uh, 
But the best way to tell is they cut out a scene, which I think is kind of important, mostly because Kaufman references it in the next scene, but they didn't bother to, like, fix it. There's a scene where Cholo is going to see Kaufman, and hears a disturbance, so he goes into a room, and this guy has hung himself. Hmm, and he yeah. turns into a zombie and bites his son. I think he's trying to help him down, and Cholo has to kill both of them. Yeah. Uh, completely cut from the theatrical cut. Yeah. But then That's in the next it. scene... That's oh, that I is saw, so. okay. So you saw the unrated cut. So yeah. they cut that out, but in the next scene, they keep in the line where Kaufman says, "I hear you took care of that little issue across the across the hall." It doesn't make sense, and it, it's <laughs> it was such an out of place line. <laughs> Did you forget your own continuity, your director? <laughs> yeah. Well, he had to trim stuff for for the theatrical cut. And I I, I think sure. a lot of directors have that issue, yeah. Of just more worried about the runtime. Um, yeah, a lot of the commentary, unfortunately, was just like him and this other guy pointing out what scenes they use CG for, and this commentary was recorded like way back in when the movie first came out on DVD. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, the only new commentary was with zombie extras, and I was like, I'm not watching that. I don't care. I mean, I think I think with the what what they do with some of the reoccurring cast to like make it, you know, seem bigger than it was, as well as like, okay, here is the butcher zombie. Mm-hmm. Or um I I actually got some chuckles with like the zombie band that was a <laughs> I would have liked to see them actually play a lot better than what they were. That would have been funny. And but that's not the thought kind of film we were making. Mm-hmm. This this film needs we need to take this film very seriously. At the same time, mm-hmm. I don't think they they handle things very seriously either. So it's like it's like it's like George Romero tried to put like two halves <laughs> of two very different movies together, just mishmashing them together. Yeah, and just for reference, that butcher zombie, uh, his name is Boyd Banks. Yep. And I feel like he's been in a couple other, like... He's a stand-up comedian, as well as an actor. Oh, he was in Diary of the Dead as well, which... That is a whole different mess. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's Tucker in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Uh, Which, I will stand by, that is one of Snyder's best films. (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna make you and Austin watch that at some point, just because it'll piss Austin off, but... Well, uh, if we had to praise some of Snyder's works, at least we're going to praise the early, early ones. Well, that's his first Not movie good. too. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to be the contrarian here and praise almost all of Snyder's work because I like everything <laughs> I've seen by him. But uh, that this is not the podcast for that. <laughs> no, we have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but they they did share so... some interesting information. Uh, like the opening that's showing like the footage in black and white apparently was supposed to show the old movies, but they couldn't get the rights because I do very much feel like this was supposed to be like Romero's back, you know, kind of celebration of those original trilogy, even if they're not necessarily connected. Uh, let's see here. What have we not said? Oh yeah. Racial commentary. This is a thing in this movie. I don't think it handles it particularly well, but <laughs> it's there. Um, especially we have, if it wasn't obvious already, Big Daddy Zombie, the Upriser, 
greets Dennis Hopper and uh, what's his name? Charlo. You know, as they're going into the uh, as they're going down the stairs, and it's like if the symbolism wasn't obvious before, it definitely is now. Not to mention the fact of how we see the uh, I'll say the butler is if that's a proper term to use for that character. It's I know what you mean. It's like you bring this antiquated concept into a modern setting and it's like, wait, okay. Now I have many questions about how this society kind of happened. <laughs> also, it also begs the question of how quickly it, this whole thing happened, too. Like, mm-hmm. if we're trying to establish that this film really was, like, this whole disaster started 20 years ago and now it's been 20 years, but the film itself doesn't want to commit to that, so it just says some time ago and we don't know how long exactly the the society has been around it's so weird i don't think it works it's not as if you can't do that in a zombie (laughs) yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to address the shot of the dead thing because then we would get back into (laughs) i i that's why i just set it off off the channel yeah So no bad bad Noah bad, <laughs> but back to the whole thing about racism. It's like it's not as if you can't address that sort of concept in a zombie film. That's not what I'm saying. It's just in this film, with the idea of us addressing these topics at a frenetic pace, it's like you need to give us more information here. I need to know more about how this works in in context of the society that you're in here. Because if we're supposed to not like these people, I kind of need to know... I need more world-building elements. Right. Um, and it's... Well, and, like, my favorite bit of just on-the-nose commentary is when uh, Kaufman first receives the call. And the his board of directors just like, well, just give him the money. He's like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. I'm like, really? Yeah, we're just... It... I feel like this was just commentary on the Patriot Act, but way, way delayed. Yeah. Uh, we we could have had George Romero's Resident Evil movie. I think about that sometimes, and it's just really depressing. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know what? Good for him not getting into that, I think. I think that was probably a better decision in the long run, because the movie, the, like, the game-to-movie scene is just a huge, huge quagmire, especially in the <laughs> 2000s. Um, well, the, the only thing that gives, gave me hope for that was it was his own script based on those games. Yeah. Um, but Capcom went with Paul W.S. Anderson because, I don't know, life hates us. <laughs> uh, but, but it's just... Elements of world building, if you're going to give us something that we should immediately take seriously, um, give us some more puzzle pieces so we can start piecing it together. You don't have to, like, spell it all out for us, but we need more information than what you're giving us. Because otherwise, what, you don't want me to take racism seriously in your film? Is that what you want from me? I don't feel comfortable with that. Stop it. (laughs) It's like, I either... Not to say this is this is how you should address both, you know socioeconomic commentary and social issues. I'm not the authority on that, obviously. 
But at the same time, you got to take this sort of thing seriously. Otherwise, you're going to make me just critical filmmaking here. But, just, yeah. I was going to say, just wait to, to if I, we ever do Diary of the Dead, oh, which gosh. is an uh, 80-year-old man trying to understand how YouTube works. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I think of Land of the Dead as like a very talented teenager who is unfortunately still a teenager and is like, he's beginning to think about things critically, but unfortunately he just, it's a whole smattering of a lot of things and there's not a lot of wisdom in how you approach these concepts. There's that. Um, I do appreciate how Big Daddy is used in this film though. And I like how certain things are done, especially with some of the action in this scene. I think the fact of the whole gasoline thing is actually a good thing that they brought up again, especially towards the end of the end of the movie. I thought that was a cool, you know, circle right there. Um, it's honestly a lot of stuff that I can praise about Eugene Clark's performance. Actually, it's, it's surprising how well it works. Well, and I think part of what works for this movie for me is the the actors elevating their characters a little bit. Because I don't think I, I dislike any of the characters. Um, at least to a degree, at least those who have character, because uh, obviously you get some of those soldiers brought in at the end that are just like zombie food. Yeah, uh, but even in those, you get Pillsbury, and like Pillsbury's fucking great. <laughs> Pillsbury confuses me with some of his loyalties throughout <laughs> it, but at the same time, yeah, I I love that guy. <laughs> I came here to do something. Why are we standing around? Let's do something. It's great. It's, a, it's just a practical thinker right there. And, and I mean, he has. He also has the the car line where he's talking about like how fifty thousand cars are Samoa stole it every year, yeah. and uh, the lady's like, "Yeah, well, in Detroit, fifty million cars or whatever are stolen every year." And he's like, "Yeah, well, in Samoa, there's only fifty thousand cars, and they're all stolen." <laughs> and it's I think such that's a funny line, but it, it makes sense with how he thinks about things. Like, it's not necessarily about the statistics; it's about how the statistics have an impact in their individual, uh, you know, microcosms. Yeah. And I think that's where Romero kind of shines in a way is just writing these characters. that are very sarcastic and just kind of over the world. And they see it for what it is. Sure. Uh, Cause that's one of the strengths he has in his other films is you get that character that you could say has read the script, but also just kind of plays a world weary. I guess he's the mentalist, so I guess we can give him some slack here. (laughs) I've never seen that show. Aha, pun, by the way, if anyone caught that. So, yeah. I caught it, but I've never seen it. Now it's like, you know, give him some slack. You know, just trying to explain this terrible pun. (laughs) No, Noah. Uh, Uh, Pillsbury has the best character introduction. He has one of the better character entrances, I would say, if that's what you mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's what we were referencing, because he just walks in and he's like, what are we standing around for? It came to do something. But no, I would say Big Daddy is the best character introduction, I would think. As really? Because he's just so. standing at the gas station. But but here's the thing. We start out with that way to like make it like he's kind of blending in a bit. But then as he responds to the environment, he actually, you know, he distinguishes 
he distinguishes himself through his actions, not necessarily by how he sticks out exactly. But he begins to stick out the more and more his of his actions like mean more in context of the events that are happening, I think. I think it's a bit more important sometimes than a flashy entrance with a you know one with liner. story. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Um I will also say that a zombie with a machine gun is a terrifying thought. Yeah. <laughs> it also kinda hilarious. Give them a make him more competent in like a year or so, give him a minigun. It's just going to be sawing through people, and that's oh my gosh! I mean, it's there's so much you can do after this, but unfortunately, I think it would have been better if if you had split up like Land of the Dead between like a trilogy in of itself. This mm-hmm. could have been a lot more interesting than I think it, that it was. But that's not what Romero wanted to do. He just wanted to establish it, move on, and let's bring it to a close throughout one movie. Well, and Romero's one of my favorite writer-directors just for his zombie films. Uh, I'd like to see more of his films, but the thing that's always driven, driven me nuts most about it is he makes these standalone films. But, like, I also want to see what happens to some of the characters next week. I want to know what happens to Riley if he goes to Canada. Like, what's he going to find out there? I don't even think he even knew exactly what he would find. I think I think Romero just wanted to make this film about social commentary, and the world ends as soon as... Well, I can see that, but Riley, like, they do establish that the reason Riley wants to go to Canada is he's hoping for no people. Um, Which is understandable. Search for a place with no people, you'll see less zombies. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. But, like, I don't know. You leave up kind of on a cliffhanger, because does he get to Canada? What's there? I wish for once Romero had made a true sequel and, like, picked up on this. Like, show us Big Daddy going to Canada and taking over Canada. Dead Reckoning sounds like a movie title. Here's my idea. I feel like it is, actually. Here's my idea. Land of the Dead Trilogy. Let's call it... Um, the first two films are actually set in the section. We we establish things in world building with the first movie and then introduce the idea of zombies, you know, being, you know, adaptable and actually becoming a threat. Second film, a lot of what happens in here event-wise happens in the second movie. The third movie is called Dead Reckoning. And tra- and Riley tries to create a society again. I think that would have been a good bookend to the idea. Well, you know, you know, like we... We, we get introduced to a corrupt society in the first film, and in the third one, we're trying to restart society again, knowing the potential corruption that could ensue later. Well, you know, we do live in a society. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, fun fact... Dead Reckoning is, in fact, a film. I imagine it's... Oh, okay. I'm surprised I didn't... Dead Reckoning 2020? Did they remake it? Uh... I'm not... No, it, no it's just nobody remembered the original Dead Reckoning and it's something different entirely. And, and I feel with someone like Romero, he probably did that on purpose. Yeah, I'm surprised. I like Humphrey Bogart is one of my favorite actors of all time. I'm surprised I I didn't hear about that one, so I got to check that one out. Yeah. Well, um, I think we've about said everything on this. So, yeah, final thoughts. 
uh, rating, and would you watch this again? So I feel like I'm doing an injustice to Zombie 2 because despite the fact that I have more issues, a lot more issues with Land of the Dead, I would watch it again. Just because of just how, in some ways, of how contentious it is and the fact that it's trying to do so much. It's like it's fodder for commentary with your friends because it just is, it has so much history behind it and so much. We're looking at the past to try to establish where we should go with a new story. So, like, I would say two out of five, not impressed. What to watch again? <laughs> I, I admittedly am softer on this movie because I've been watching it since I was a teenager. And when it comes to zombies, like, there is no one, no one better than Romero, in my opinion. Um, I would absolutely watch this again. I probably watched it twenty times, uh, and I'm going to give it a four out of five. Yeah, and despite the fact that we disagree, perhaps on the quality of the film, we both would watch this movie again. <laughs> so there's no freaking point. Oh, don't worry, system. he won't be back. By the way, no, <laughs> no. Um, so we may have to do next week's episode on either Tuesday or Thursday because I believe. And our Discord, uh, one of our friends wants to do that Star Wars D&D thing on Wednesday. Uh, I have to get with Austin. Uh, but we are going to do a Tony Todd double feature. Uh, Candyman and the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. Yes. <clears throat> uh, Noah says, I would give it a 3 out of 5. It's a solid zombie flick, but it's got nothing on the original trilogy. Oh, yeah. I mean... That's, not, guys... that's not a strong statement to make. I imagine most people would agree. So. Yeah. Um, I, I won't go into it too much because I do want to do an episode on those, but I would give all of the original trilogy like a 5 out of 5. Um, and this is a 4 out of 5. But that's just me because I'm a zombie nerd. <laughs> I, more more movies should go perhaps into the origins of the word zombie and maybe, maybe deconstruct it again. Maybe sort of another... I don't know. It, it's difficult to know where to go, considering just how how saturated the zombie movie market and TV show market just got within recent decades. So it, it's difficult to approach now, considering how just, much of it's been done, both in like the A movie, B movie, and C movie market. I just want something that's not a comedy. Like I love a zombie comedy, but. When that's all there is, I want something, you know, like this that's more serious in tone. Or a zombie romance film. Warren uh, Bodies, for instance. And it just it gets I, into, like... Mm. I can't bring myself to hate that movie because they are still zombies, but it's weird. I don't know, like... Yeah, we, we know we know your shtick, John, so... <laughs> no, I get it, though. Yeah. It, I don't know. I own that movie for some reason. Um <laughs> Just, but, it's like uh, looking at like these are this is how the art form has evolved as you show them your your here's Night of the Living movies. Dead and then here's this shit. <laughs> Zombie turns human, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh but yeah. yeah. Zombies in anime is another interesting concept to uh, address. I'm still seeing I'm... how the seeing how the Japanese kind of look at it and the and that filmmaking thing is it's interesting. I'm still upset that High School of the Dead's never going to finish. 
Well, that's because the original creator died before it could get completed, and out of respect to him, they just they kind of wanted to just stop right there. Yeah. At the same time, I only think we really. I feel like another part of me is saying we only really needed one season because I think the, the physics of that movie, I mean, sorry, that show are how long do we run this gag before we completely like drill it into the ground? <laughs> Just how ridiculous the show can be. But it's interesting to think about them. I don't know. Pokemon's run for how many years now? And in cons and I know granted, I don't, I don't watch Pokemon, so that's not my thing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Digimon's better, and you can fight me on that one. I wouldn't. I. It's not my. No, but okay. I know this is completely off topic, but I'm going to be self indulgent here. Mm-hmm. I, the writers of Digimon went way over, like, way over the top on the writing than they had to, because there's like actual themes in that show. <laughs> it's nuts. I feel like they had to because they were running against Pokemon. So, um, like, they deal with like not feeling good enough, you know, self isolation, depression. And it's just like, bro, you were a kid show for a ripoff Pokemon. Like, calm down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end it here. We'll be back probably either next Tuesday or next Thursday. We'll have to get with Austin. Uh, he will he will give a brief rundown on the two movies we talked about tonight since he wasn't able to be here. Uh, feel free to message him on on Twitter, the Slacker Ghost. I'm kidding. That's not really his this his Twitter. No, no, the, uh, the sick ghost. Yeah, it's the thick ghost. Um, but we appreciate you guys being here, yeah. and we will talk at you guys next week. Yeah. Thank you.